My guest today is a legendary guitarist who's a former member of Dio and a longtime member of iconic group Def Leppard. He's in a new band called Last in Line, who released their new album Heavy Crown out this month. I'd like to welcome Vivian Campbell. Thanks for calling in, man. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I don't know where to begin, man. I've been a, a longtime fan. Let me just start off with you were coming off the cruise. Of course, you had the the passing of Jimmy, which, you know, our condolences, and I'm sure you've received that from the, the support on the internet and, and from the music community seemed to be uh, overwhelming. How are you guys doing now with that, now that the album's out? It, it must be very surreal. It is, actually. That, that's the way to describe it. It's, um, it's a strange time. It, it's a very bittersweet sort of an experience for us now to release this record and, and to have it be so very, very warmly received and, and reviewed and uh, you know, at a time when we should be celebrating that, we're actually mourning Jimmy's death and, and we're at a real juncture that we, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we, we've cancelled the tour. Uh, we're, we're supposed to be on tour right now. Ironically, um, just to back up a bit, uh, this record was ready to release a year ago and we elected not to release it then because we wanted to wait until we were all available to tour to promote it because we really believed in it that much and we believed it deserved every opportunity. Um, and then we we got to the 11th hour and Jimmy didn't quite make it. Um, mm. So we canceled the tour. Uh, we're going to do two festival shows, uh, one in Europe in late April and one in Oklahoma at the end of May that we were already committed to doing. Because uh, we do, we owe it to ourselves and to the record and especially to Jimmy's memory that we do something with this because we, Jimmy really, really believed in this record. Uh, Jimmy believed in this band and this record so much. He actually went out last year and got a tattoo he died with one tattoo in his body and it says last in line you know he was so excited about this band and this project and this record and um so we owe it to to his memory to do something with it so which is why i'm talking to you today and why we'll do those two festival shows at least but in the long term we we really don't know what'll happen i guess we'll we'll see how the the record is received in the long term yeah that's a tough loss man um you know and, and the thing is uh, for anybody that's had a chance to hear the record uh you know just came out it's it's a great album i mean it's not not like a lot of rock albums that come out these days it it has kind of a retro vibe and and calls back to that old kind of style but it's very fresh the songs kick ass and it's a good solid rock album that um, really, everybody should go out and hear. Thank you. Yeah, we, we were very, very pleased with it. Um, we knew it was going to be good, and, and uh, we're just equally thrilled and flattered at the, at the reception it's gotten so far. Um, you're right, it is a bit of a throwback. I mean, the sound that we make, Jimmy and Vinny and I, when we play together, it, it is the sound of the early deal records, because we were 75% of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so we we can't avoid that. So there are certain songs in the record that that absolutely sound like they could have been on Holy Diver, um, but but with with um, Andrew's influence, it, it does make it a little bit more modern on other songs and pulls it in a different direction. And uh, you know, sonically, we we definitely wanted to make this record uh, reminiscent of of records of that era. You know, we were very conscious of that when we were making the album um, from a technical point of view. I don't mean about the songs, I just mean right. how they were recorded. We 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 tracked it. We we kind of approached it with the same spirit that we went in to do the Holy Diver record with in terms of the writing and of the recording. Um, you know, we recorded the tracks live, guitar, bass and drums, and then I double tracked the rhythm guitar and then I do a solo and then we'd listen back and see if we wanted to highlight any other 
little parts of the song with with little small guitar embellishments but we really kept it all to a minimum it's a very 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 clean production um and and most importantly we didn't compress along the way we didn't compress at the tracking stage or at the mixing stage or or at the mastering stage any more than we really had to you know because modern records are are super compressed like hyper compressed to make them sound louder and punchier and you know and, and it's it's an old trick and people have been doing it for the last couple of decades but it's it for me personally and for the other guys in the band we all share this belief it really it takes a lot of the dynamics and a lot of the, the cleanness and the sonics out of the record and and we we wanted to hear that space we wanted to hear that air around the instruments we wanted this record to sound crisp and and that's why when you put it on side by side with another modern record it might not seem as loud at first because it's not as compressed but i think it'll sound clearer as a result and and that was what we were hoping to achieve um in terms of the writing we we didn't have an agenda we just started writing and like i say some of the songs just naturally sound like early Dio in a sense because it's Jimmy and Vinny and I and and others are a little bit more modern sounding because uh, because of the the years that have passed and then because of Andrew's influence I think a lot well when you go back to uh, talking about the sound of the album it's apparent right from the beginning you know the guitar tone for Devil in Me the the first track on the album when the drums kick in it, it has that sort of open raw guitar you know rock band almost acdc type feel or something that um yeah i think it totally comes across well thank you yeah i mean we we just we are old school you know i mean we're a bunch of old guys making old rock and it is (laughs) it is what we do you know and and i think it's nice i think there's a place for that in this current climate you know um i think there's uh there's a real honesty to it a real purity to it you know it it, it was absolutely not a contrived record nothing about this project was contrived we didn't even mean to do this you know we just got together to jam one day and that led to us going out to do songs with andrew you know songs from the Dio era that we wrote and recorded with ronnie and that was that was our agenda at that time and then it kind of grew and we started playing international shows and then we got offered a record deal if we wanted to make new music and, and here we are you're talking about the new album but yeah. you know none of it was ever it's not like we ever sat down and said this is our five year plan you know it just kind of happened it all kind of grew out of, of the desire to, to play together again you know you know, talk about uh, Andrew a little bit and uh, you know what a surprise he is on this album I mean this is just the perfect voice for this how did he uh, you know how did you find him and uh, you just realized he was the guy well, again, by accident. So uh, this all started back in 2011. Um, I had, uh, Def Leppard were very inactive at the time, and, and Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy called me up and asked if I would be interested to go on tour in Europe for a few months as a stunt guitar player for Thin Lizzy, just a stand-in kind of thing. And, and I left at the chance, because Lizzy were a massive influence for me in my formative years when I was a teenager, when I was really, really honing my craft as, as a guitarist. And I was very familiar with the catalog. And then I went out on tour and playing with Lizzie. I'm on stage with Brian Downey on drums and Scott Gorham on guitar and <laughs> just reliving my youth and my fantasy. It's like a wet dream, you know, and, and playing Emerald and Chillbreak and Black Rose. And, you know, it was just, it was so inspiring to me. And I, I really reconnected me with, with that, that time in my life when guitar was everything to me and, and I came off of that tour and I just wanted to play guitar I was so reinvigorated and reconnected to my instrument again and, and I called Vinny and Jimmy and I, I just said you know you guys want to go in a rehearsal room and play and 
uh, and that's what we did. We just started playing, and, and at that point, it was 27 years since we played together wow. in 2011. And as soon as we started playing, it was absolutely instantaneous. The 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 electricity, the chemistry was there, and and we all got so excited, and we're getting goosebumps, and it was it was kind of eerie in a way. And we were just all transported back to that time, and um, and we played for a couple hours. And Vinny suggested, uh, he said, we need a singer to to complete this. And uh, he said, I know this guy, Andrew Freeman. He lives close by. Let me give him a call. So he literally did just that. He called Andrew right there and then, and Andy drove down and came in, and that was the first time I met him. And as soon as he started singing with us, that's when I had the idea to do something with it because, like I said, Jimmy and Vinny and I, the unmistakable sound of Holy Diver, of Last in Line, Sacred Heart, of the early Dio records, and this singer who was powerful and passionate and strong enough to sing on top of the enormous sound that the three of us made but yet he didn't sound anything like Ronnie he had this completely different tonality and did his own thing with it so I just thought it would be interesting to go out and do some shows and, and I just I said right there and I didn't give it any thought I said let's just call it last in line after the record because <laughs> Ronnie had passed away a year before and it was just we were the last in line Jimmy and Vinny and I were the last ones and it just seemed appropriate to call it that and like I said, that's what we did, and we just very sporadically did a, a couple of occasional local L.A. area shows, and a couple of years later, we were offered the opportunity to play in England and Japan, and after we'd done that, we got the offer from Frontiers Records if we were interested in making new music, so at that point, we just said, well, why not? Let's give it a go, and we started writing, and, and it just, it, it just the songs just fell out. It, it was so easy to do. It was just so much fun. How did some of the songwriting go into, like lyric writing, and that was it? Do you guys write it together? Did Andrew write the lyrics, or how how'd that happen? Andrew wrote all the lyrics. Yeah, I I had suggested a couple of titles and a few lines to him here and there, but I mean we're talking absolute bare minimum things. Andrew, one hundred percent wrote the lyrics on this on this record. Um, now at the time we started working on the album, Andrew had moved to Las Vegas, so it was just Jimmy and Vinny and I usually on the writing sessions in L.A and Vinny would record stuff on his little Zoom recorder and then once we had what we thought was an arrangement for a song he'd send an mp3 to Andrew and Andrew would write back to us and say this is great I can work with this or he'd make suggestions to us and then there were other times when Andy would travel to LA and he'd be in the room with us and there was a, a few songs that actually wouldn't have happened if Andrew hadn't been there with us um, the most glaring example of that is the song I Am Revolution Mm -hmm. um, which uh, we were playing as a halftime piece. Uh, it was a big, slow kind of song. And, and, and Vinny said, you know, we, we got enough of these slow kind of songs. We need something that rocks. And fortunately, Andrew was there with us that night. And because Andrew had more punk influence than us, he, um, he said, hey, can I borrow your guitar? I said, sure. So he picks up my guitar and he starts playing what you hear on the record. Just dan -na 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 -na, like a real thrashy punk double time thing and we thought wow that's great so so we started doing that and the song kind of fell into shape after that but but i don't think that that jimmy and Vinny and myself would have thought to take it to that extreme without andrew's influence so so every song is a little bit of a different story to it you know um it was obviously always better to have andrew there in the room with us stuff happened a lot quicker but you know we, we also we, we we spaced out the writing and the recording of this record over about six seven or eight months so it was basically written in and recorded in installments. I think like three different installments. We wrote the first four songs. A couple of days later, going to the studio, record them, and then a month or two passed before we'd reconvene and write and record the next three or four songs and so on. 
So, um, you know, like I say, every every song is a little bit of a, a story to it, but but generally speaking, it all happened really really quickly. You know, it was it was easy to do. Uh, unlike the Def Leppard stuff, which historically, you know, well documented, it takes forever for a Def Leppard album, and it's a whole complicated recording process, right? That that you guys always go through was was doing the last in line. Was that a way for you to sort of not have? to deal with that it was refreshing maybe to do it just kind of different and live I, I, I suppose so I mean you know but they're very very different animals you know and yeah. very different um, they're looking for very different results I mean Last in Line's a straight up rock band you know we don't have to think too much about what we're doing uh, with Def Leppard it, it's a very different experience Def Leppard is not just uh, a hard rock band I mean there's you know, Sav says it best when he says Def Leppard is basically ACDC meets Queen. Yeah. You know, straight up rock, but at the same time, it can be very, very complicated and very pop and very production heavy. So, you know, when we do a Leopard record, the reason why it takes so long is that we don't just accept the first 10 or 12 songs that come along. You know, we'll take two or three of them and then we'll start thinking, okay, we've, we've ticked that box. We have the rock element covered. Now we really need to move on to doing something that's more akin to this or that or just something different you know so it, it becomes a very intellectual process a lot more thought goes into a Def Leppard record than would go into something like a Last in Line record you know but they're just two very very different things I want to talk about Def Leppard and the cruise uh, of course it was uh, terrible news to have Jimmy die on the ship can't imagine how that must have been and uh, and then there was other stuff like Joe losing his voice and other things that I think went wrong um, obviously it wasn't what you guys expected it was a strange time. It, it would have been weird enough with just having Joe losing his voice the way he did. Yeah. But obviously, it it was thrown into a whole different level of of bizarreness when Jimmy passed away. You know. Um, yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate that it was our first experience of doing that kind of thing, and and we had so much go wrong. You know, never rains but it pours. Yeah. And right after that, you guys played in Fort Lauderdale, which is where we are, and I happened to catch that show which was also a bit unfortunate because Joe really, you know, he tried as hard as he could and it was it was obviously tough for him to sing that night and, and you ended up yeah. canceling the rest of the tour. How's he doing now? And I guess you, you rescheduled some shows so things are looking up? Yeah, well, the, the bad news is his voice was damaged and we had to postpone the shows and reschedule. Um, the good news is he, he's not going to need surgery. It's nothing like that. Great. He just literally needs rest. He saw a couple of doctors... It won immediately after we came off the cruise. He saw a doctor, and, and that doctor basically told him, uh, you're probably going to be fine. Just try and work through it and take some anti-inflammatories, et cetera. Um, and then a couple of days later in Orlando, Joe went to see a specialist who actually stuck a, a scope down his throat to actually look at his vocal cords. And, and the specialist, uh, upon seeing what was going on with his vocal cords, advised him to stop singing immediately otherwise run the risk of, of permanent damage. So right. that was the bad news. But the good news is that that doctor is, is equally confident that no surgery will be needed, just a couple of months of rest. So we've rescheduled those shows for um, for May. And then uh, in late June, Leopard will start up with the scheduled summer tour that will run right through early October. And the new Def Leppard album now has been out a few months, uh, mm -hmm. been really well received. As a, as a longtime fan, I can tell you it's really great it's something i'm still listening to now and uh a bunch of new classics on there i mean now that you've had a few months for that album to be out how do you guys feel about the record and and is it something that um might drive you guys to record an, again in the future yeah um to answer the first part of your question yeah i i actually think it's the best record that def leppard's made 
in the 24 years that I've been a member of the band. Um, that's the good news. The bad news is, ironically, it's the one I've had the least to do with. <laughs> so I don't know, you know, I think the universe is trying to tell me something there, you know, to just let the other four guys make the record. Um, you know, but, but while all that was going on, I, I was invested in, in the, the last in line record. We did actually write and record both those records concurrently, you know? Right. Um, so the, to answer the second part of your question, yeah, I think we've all been very, uh, very encouraged by the response that it's gotten, and we also feel really bad that it took so long for us to make that record between that record and our previous studio album, Songs from the Sparkle Lounge, was something like, what, seven or eight years? It was some, something really embarrassing. So um, I would think, given the fact that we, we toured so much in... 2015 and we're going to tour pretty extensively again this year in 2016 but I would think next year and in 17 we'll probably not do so many live shows if any at all yeah you guys uh, have been a, that, you guys have been a touring machine for like the last decade or something yeah and I, and I think now we're going to focus a little bit more on, on making records too because I think we're like I said we're very encouraged by the response to this so it's I wouldn't be at all surprised if in 2017 leopards back in the studio yeah, you know, what's funny about, I actually had a chance to, to speak with Phil on an on a interview uh, uh, maybe a month and a half ago or so, and uh, yeah, I brought up something that, you know, they were playing uh, Let's Go on the, on the radio on some talk show, and uh, it was a bunch of the people there were like surprised that you guys were even still around, you know, they're not <laughs> on to knowing exactly what's going on, but mm. it seemed like it was almost wow we missed Def Leppard where have they been thank god there's a new song this song's amazing it was sort of like uh, a welcoming back of a band or something yeah well you know we, we live in a very um, fractious time you know I mean, there, there's so much out there competing for our time and our attention you know there's so much media you know hundreds or thousands of radio stations the internet you know a kajillion television channels and yeah. cell phones and communications and social media there's you know we live in a niche world people only tune into what they're aware of and what interests them so it, it's not like it was back in the 80s you know so um you know and leopard we've put so much of our focus into playing live over recent decades you know so it, it's nice to kind of get back to the the thought of writing and recording new music but you know but it is different time it, it's really difficult to get new music to people's ears it's also really difficult to actually get to perform it live even because you know your audience is coming to see you for the reason that you have a huge catalog of hit songs and that's what you're kind of beholden to you know the, our audience expects Def Leppard to play those songs right. you know every time we go on stage we got to play Sugar and Photograph and Rock of Ages and Animal and Hysteria and you know and you need, the, like, the problem with having a million hits yeah it, well it, it is it, it is yeah. a bit of an issue you know it's a bit of a double edged sword but at the same time we want to not be playing exactly the same stuff that we were playing the year before you know we want to make it a little bit different and more importantly we want to we want to be promoting our new record you know we want people to hear it but we also we're not naive enough to think that when we go out and play a brand new song that everyone in the room is going to know it you know we know that only 25 or 30 or 35 percent of the audience is, is going to have even heard the song once yeah you know so it is difficult to perform and position new music during a, a Def Leppard concert you know we 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 have to be very crafty about how we insert new songs in between those classics Right. Um, any uh, new singles or videos coming from the album? 
I don't honestly know. You know, I know that when we go out and tour the summer, we'll play. Uh, we'll we'll play the the first single. We'll play Dangerous, which was the second single, uh, and we'll probably play the song Man Enough. Now, right. whether or not that is going to be a single from this point on, I honestly really don't know. But I know that we've discussed the the idea to play it, and we're we're looking forward to putting that into the show. Yeah, that's a killer song too, and and the different side of the band. You know, very very kind of Queen. Uh, and something very cool. You know, I've I've looked back on your career and realized that <clears throat> I've been a fan of a lot of stuff you've been in through the years. Of course, you know Dio, but even the Lou Graham stuff that you did and Shadow Kings was a <laughs> was a band that I that I liked as well. Um, you know, people think of you as being in Def Leppard forever, but you've done so much. I, is it hard to even look back and realize? Oh my God, I've been in like all these bands and done all this great music. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been 24 years that I've been with Def Leppard, almost a quarter of a century, you know, yeah. it is quite surreal to think, um, and I'm still the new guy, which is fine, right. but yeah, I mean, I have been in a lot of bands, I've had a very colorful career, and you know, I never intended it to be that way, you know, my first band was Sweet Savage and back in Belfast, and we wrote and recorded some of our original music, and you know, we were part of that new wave of British heavy metal movement, and it would have been nice had we broken through and and had we done so i'm sure we would have stayed together for many years and i would have been known as a guitar player in one band but it didn't work out that way you know i was for, fortunate then after that that i got to play with with ronnie and Vinny and jimmy on those early deal records and that was certainly a magical band and i never wanted to leave that band either you know but um the business came between us and i was very vocal about a matter of principle and i, I was the first one to get fired as a result um <laughs> So, you know, it, it's sad. And then from there, it, I just kind of fell from one thing to another. I have been very fortunate in that I've gotten to work with some great bands, some great musicians, and at, at particularly good times in, in their careers as well. You know, when I played with Whitesnake, it was certainly uh, at the zenith of, of White, Whitesnake's commercial achievements, you know. Right. So that was a, a very great experience to have, you know. And then, obviously, when the opportunity came to to join a band like Def Leppard that wasn't something to be um, dismissed, you know? You people forget about that time before you joined. Was that was there any hesitation on you at the time, if you can remember? or was Well, it actually like there was, yeah. It, it wasn't a clear-cut decision for me or for them, you know, because, let, let's face it, it, it was always going to be difficult for the other four guys because um, the first time I set, set foot on stage with Def Leppard was the very first time that they had set foot on stage with like, Steve Clark. Right, you know, so the, that the had Queen to be, thing, right? The Queen that, show. Yeah, yeah, the Freddie Mercury uh, show in, in Wembley Stadium. That had to be a lot more difficult for them than it was for me, you know, um, yeah. because at that stage of my career, I'd already been in and out of a few bands. I was used to coming into different musical situations and adapting and making it work, and I'd, I'd always been a huge Def Leppard fan, so I was very familiar with the band and the catalog and and whatnot so it was an easy sort of a transition for me but it certainly had to be difficult for them you know i um but i i wasn't it wasn't a clear-cut decision when when joe called me and said um i'd like you to come and play with the rest of the guys i, I want them to meet you i think you'd be perfect for Def leopard at that point i'd already been with sweet savage it didn't work out i'd been with dio i'd gotten fired I played with White Snake. It didn't quite work out. Um, I'd done a great record with the band called River Dogs. It totally went under the radar, right. fell off a cliff. You know, after investing a year and a half of my life and then so much into that record and believing in that, it just went nowhere in a hurry. Um, I'd done a record with Lou Graham, 
right. <laughs> that totally fell apart, you know. And so at this stage, I actually was still under contract as, as a result of the River Dogs record, under contract with CBS Sony. And I was working on doing a solo record, and I'm, I'm a pretty reasonable singer, and I'd been working on my voice sure. a lot and taking a lot of singing lessons. I'd been working with a lot of songwriters and doing co-writes and really honing that craft and cutting demos, and, and I was happy. I was, I was committed to making my own record when Joe called me, so it really was, it was a difficult choice for me to make. I mean, on the one hand, I had this wonderful once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to join one of the biggest rock bands in the world. On the other hand, I been disappointed so many times in years previous that that situations didn't work out and I was thinking do I really want to do this do I really want to give it another go so so we actually both parties myself and the other four guys in Leopard we didn't just rush into this we actually took I think a, a period of about two or three months where we actually had like a courtship where we'd get together <laughs> right. and play we'd talk we'd go to dinner we'd play soccer together we'd go back to the rehearsal room and play some more you know we're, we're really just feeling each other out and trying to understand if this was going to be a good and a tenable situation for all of us and it, it turned out that it worked out so all good it absolutely did um, it, it definitely worked out again uh, it's it been a pleasure to speak with you everything uh, health wise uh, looking okay with you I know you posted something that, that maybe things were good yeah, yeah, you know, I'll be dealing with it for the rest of my life, probably. But right. I'm not at all concerned. It's, it's a, you know, especially when you contrast it to to Jimmy's passing. Um, you know, we we thought Jimmy just had pneumonia, and after he passed away, they did an autopsy and discovered his body was riddled with lung cancer. Hmm. So, you know, I'm one of the lucky ones. I, I caught my cancer early. I've got good health insurance, great doctors, great support system, and I've always been. And I will always remain one step ahead of it, you know. So I'm not at all concerned with my health. That's awesome, man. Uh, listen, congratulations on the success of The Last in Line, the Def Leppard upcoming tour, everything you're doing. Uh, again, everybody go get the album. And thank you so much for taking some time. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Lovely to talk. Yes, be well. All right, man. Bye-bye. Bye. I'd like to thank Vivian for the interview. For upcoming news and interviews, please check theprogreport.com, follow us on Facebook, at The Prog Report on Twitter, or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks. <laughs>